How do you treat your enemies? This is Thursday, May 18th, and I know we're not supposed to have enemies, but often we do. Our enemies may be people that have hurt us or hurt someone we love. It may be somebody you just don't like, someone you have history with and don't feel safe around. As time passes, you try to make sure your paths never cross, that you never have to see that person. If you do bump into them, you limit your exposure and look for an exit. You know what I'm talking about. Now this week we're learning about how we all need grace, and how God's grace is what makes our church vision possible. God does not treat us as we deserve. Though we have lived as his enemies, he's always sought to restore us and reconnect with us. And Jesus has covered the sin that has kept us apart. I love the story that comes from our text today. This is 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1 to 7. David, that's King David, asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before the king. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. And the king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? And Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? the king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Machir, son of Emiel in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. And when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. And David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Now this scene comes from a time when David has become well established in his kingdom. He's taken the city of Jerusalem and made the city his capital. God has granted him success at every turn. He's built a successful rule and extended the borders of Israel farther than Saul, who was before him. In every way, his life has come together. He's also relocated the sanctuary of the Lord to be near him and guided the people toward faithfulness to the Lord. Now in our text, David does something absolutely stunning. He seeks out an heir of Saul to bless. Now think about that. Saul hunted David for more than a decade and put a price on his head. Saul brought shame to Israel in the way he treated the Lord. Saul was not a good guy. And typically, when a new king would come to the throne, as David did, he would consolidate his power by removing all his enemies. And usually, that meant eliminating the descendants of the former king, anyone that might claim to have a right to the throne. The land would be purged of rivals, beginning with the now-dead king's family. But notice what David does. He asks if any descendants of Saul are still alive, and he discovers a son of Jonathan named Mephibosheth, that he still lives. 
<laughs> so imagine the fear in Mephibosheth when he hears that the king had commanded him to appear before him. He wouldn't be able to avoid the fear that the king might want his head on a stake. But here comes the surprise. David's purpose is not elimination, but blessing. He wants to extend kindness to Mephibosheth. Now here's the backstory of Mephibosheth. It's a very sad one. Here's what we're told in Scripture. Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, and his nurse picked him up and fled, but as she hurried to leave, he fell and became disabled. His name was Mephibosheth. That's 2 Samuel 4.4. 4. Yes, the story tells us that when he was a young boy, his nurse took him and fled to protect him from danger. Likely, she assumed that David would have the child killed, and Mephibosheth, in the process, was dropped, and likely he broke both legs. We can well imagine that after that, he lived in hiding, believing David would seek to take his life. But as we've learned, David has other plans. Mephibosheth arrives to see David, no doubt wondering if his life is over. But instead, David deeds back to him all the land of his grandfather Saul, which indeed must have been considerable since Saul had been king. Furthermore, David invites Mephibosheth to dine at his table for the rest of his life. And David also provides someone to manage Mephibosheth's land so that he will receive the income with no trouble to himself. Now we might wonder why David would go to such trouble and sacrifice his own resources for this man. And we don't have to wonder. We are told that David did this because of Jonathan, Mephibosheth's father. And Jonathan had been David's best friends. They became like brothers. David loved Jonathan so much he wanted to do something, anything really, to extend love to Jonathan's family. Now, I think this is the way the gospel works in us. For the sake of Jesus, and because we know his love for us, we want to show compassion. We desire to extend grace. Jesus has loved us and given his life for us, and naturally we want to honor him. This is how the life of our church comes to be established in God's grace. It's not because we're good people. It's because we've been loved with so great a love in Jesus. And we want to honor him in the way that we live. Let's pray. O oh God of grace, help us to show compassion to others that reflects your great love for us. Show us ways we can put your love into practice. In your name we pray. Amen. <music>